The Dave Berta Podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. To find more amazing Alberta-made podcasts, visit albertapodcastnetwork.com. Writing about politics in Alberta. He currently works as a communications advisor for the United Nurses of Alberta and lives with his family in Northeast Edmonton. Hey, everyone. Dave Berta Podcast producer Adam Rosenhart here. We're doing something a little bit different with this episode. Over the weekend, Dave Cornway attended the Parkland Institute Conference at the University of Alberta, and he was part of a panel, a session actually, called Truth, the First Casualty, War Rooms, and Rumors of War Rooms. And he was on this, uh, he did this session with Dave Kleimenhaga, who you also heard in our previous episode. And so we thought we would share the audio that Dave collected from that event with you today. Uh, The audio is a little bit uh, not amazing, but we think you'll get the gist of it. Uh, So here it is. I thought Ricardo was going to say that we reminded him of the two Ronnie's. And, if, and, and if, you get, if you get that reference, then automatically you, you are subject to the OK Boomer. Um, anyway, now if I'm a little under, I'm hearing my voice echoing back at me, and I've never worn one of these things before, and it is a little unnerving watching the microphone floating around in my, in my peripheral vision. So, anyway, what I think we'll do is we'll start, uh, we've got a little slideshow talking about the inquiry on the world. Uh, which uh, which is kind of deals with the, the known knowns, right? The, the facts that we have access to at this point. And then, and then we'll just get into some uh, speculation, hopefully not too idle, uh, about where this might be going and what it all be. So I, I need to, uh, because I need to Here's the remote. Hang on. I, one of my bad habits is I use my own slideshows as my notes. So, so here's what we know about the war room. Uh, it's based in Calgary. Uh, it's been given a $30 million budget, which is uh, not huge in uh, the scheme of things nowadays, but it's a significant amount of money for my, uh, it, it would certainly uh, ease my retirement plans if I had It's been officially renamed the Canadian or Canadian Energy Center Limited. Uh, the, it's, the legal headquarters is a Calgary law firm associated with the Conservative Party, the United Conservative Party. Uh, and it's been structured as a private corporation uh, to avoid for FOIP searches, so so that we and the and the argument that's been used for this is that uh, while we want, mustn't give away our our uh, plans to these foreign-funded environmentalists who are trying who are trying to uh, defame maliciously defame Alberta, Dave, you got to more on this. Yeah, um, I mean, one of the things that we're going to that will we'll, that I think will, will be a theme that we'll talk about this morning is that. What, what does it mean that some of these these these, uh, these initiatives, the war room, uh, the inc- public inquiry into uh, anti-Alberta energy campaigns, both of these initiatives, part of Jason Kenney's fight back strategy that he announced, I think initially announced last October in a speech to the Calgary Chamber of Commerce, and then came out in more detail about uh, during uh, after following their the UCP victory in the provincial election. Uh, both of these these initiatives have been structured to kind of block transparency in terms of none of them are, neither of them are, are, are fall under FOIP, so, so media or public interest groups who are interested in learning more or trying to get some transparency around these organizations or these initiatives, uh, they're essentially blocked right, up, right out of the, the start gate, and that's by design. You'll probably hear us say a, a couple times, but th- th- this might well have been a pretty good election strategy. 
Uh, and it was clearly thought out as an election strategy at the point when the UCP was not the government. Uh, for a governing party, I don't think it's as good a strategy. It's problematic, and I think it's problematic for them as well as for everybody else or everybody who's interested in exploring the issue or, a, or an honest political discourse in Alberta. Okay, what's happening? Push the button. Okay. No, I pressed the wrong button. I, I had it behind my back. I was trying to describe. Uh, so let's talk about uh, the boardroom personnel. And these are some of these people I know. There's a, a former post media business columnist named Claudia Capneo was contracted to create the corporate structure for it. And this was just a temporary contract. I, I, I've worked with Claudia. I know her. I think she's uh, uh, an uninspired but uh, uh, but uh, reasonably capable writer. Uh, former post-media political reporter, strike breaker, Stelmach spokesperson, UCP candidate, and country singer uh, was named the titular head. And I, I guess my original notes said former post-media uh, uh, political bloviator, uh, strike breaker, unsuccessful Stelmach spokesperson, failed UCP candidate, and lousy country singer. <laughs> Now, we, we, we know that uh, uh, Sonia Savage, the energy minister, Doug Schweitzer, the justice minister, and uh, Jason Nixon, my personal favorite Alberta politician, uh, <laughs> comprise the board of this private corporation. So this is a government-owned private corporation. This may be a, uh, what, what is it, an entity that's sui generis in Canadian history. I don't know. It's not, a, it's not they say, a crown corporation. It's a private corporation. But it's run by for the government, which raises a whole whack of interesting questions. Uh, when I made this slideshow, we thought that there would be close involvement by the Solberg Family Enterprise and U.S. Public Affairs in this. Uh, I'm not as confident at this point. Um, Dave's made a contrary argument to me that's persuasive that that's necessarily the case. But they've certainly played a role in the, in the UCP strategy and in the strategy leading after this. So I think it's worth talking a little bit about that. And the inspiration for it, and also the other, the, the other activity that the government's involved in the inquiry, is the debunked conspiracy theories of Vancouver researcher Vivian Cross. And uh, I think I don't want to, uh, you know, there've been people have mocked Ms. Cross for being a nutritionist because that's her background, but I think we can have expertise in an area without actually having her training in that area. So I, I don't want to indulge in that. But at the same time, I think the the idea that there's a foreign-funded conspiracy uh, has, been, has been pretty thoroughly debunked, uh, particularly by Sandy Garcia with the National Observer. Yeah, yes, I mean, the, many of you in the room probably would have read the, the report that Sandy Garcino put out through the National Observer, or the, the, the deep research that she's done. Um, many of you may also have read yesterday the Mutart, the Mutart Foundation here in Edmonton uh, put out a, I think they submitted a 174-page submission, uh, including quite a bit of research into uh, the, this kind of debunking this kind of this myth that foreign funded foreign funded organizations are um, are are behind fun funding anti uh, anti pipeline and anti oil sands campaigns in a huge meaningful way. Um, I think in terms of close involvement, we don't really know who's involved in the war room really. Last month, Tom Olson was appointed as the managing director, and since then, it's been very quiet. We haven't really heard anything about the Canadian, uh, Canadian Energy 
What's it called? Canadian Energy Canadian Energy Center. Canadian Energy Center. I, I want to call it the uh, CECL as a corporate name because they, if they want to call it a corporation, then we should be treated as a corporation. And, and, and we do know, speaking of corporations, we do know who's been lobbying to try to get involved in the war room. We saw over the summer Post Media, which is the Toronto-based company owned by American, largely owned by American hedge funds, uh, that owns basically almost every mainstream newspaper in the country, had hired a lobbyist to lobby the Alberta government to basically help the, see, see what they could do to help the war room. We've also seen the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers hire a registered lobbyist to lobby basically among the same thing. So we have Post Media and CAP both trying to get in on, I mean, perhaps a little bit of the $30 million, uh, figuring out what, but, but, but it's not totally clear what exactly the, the war room is going to be doing. So we have these groups lobbying to be involved, but what the, the war room is actually going to do, how it's going to operate, is still largely unclear. And we're prepared to theorize or, or to speculate on what that may be. But, uh, <laughs> So this is Claudia Catneau. I just I, I'm a believer that people like to see the people we're talking about. So I've got a bunch of pictures here, and I won't dwell on them too long. This was uh, Claudia's uh, uh, columnist picture from the National Post, and I didn't. I have. I has. Some of you will know. I have a vast collection of photos of journalists and politicians in Alberta on my own, and they're, and they're sometimes quite unflattering. But I like them because I own copyright to them. But I couldn't make that claim in this case. As I said, this is Tom Olson with the premier, as he likes to see himself. And this is Tom Olson as others see him. Uh, and, and here he is back in. By 1999 or 2000, crossing the picket line at the Calgary Herald. Now, I want to tell you something about that. that, that Tom, always, and if I still can be calling you Tommy, I apologize, but that, that was always my bad habit. But, but Tom was an assistant city editor at the time, and I believe he said to people that he had, he had to cross the picket line because uh, he, as, as someone in management, he had no choice. I want everybody in this room to know that I was an assistant city editor at the same time and I was vice president of the union and I never crossed that picket line. So, here we have the board. Uh, Jason Nixon back in his Wild Rose Party days. Uh, Doug Schweitzer looking just totally cleaned out. Uh, and, and, and this uh, to the energy minister. These are just pictures I snapped, uh, uh, in Nixon's case, not so recently, but recently in the legislature. And, uh, and these ones I had to drag off their website, but these are the Solbergs, Monty, Matt, and Michael. Monty is the father, and Matt and Michael are the sons. So they're certainly influential in the way things are, are being propagandized by this, by this government. This episode of the Dave Berta Podcast is brought to you by ATB. ATB understands that sometimes we all need a boost. And that's why they started ATB Booster, a crowdfunding platform for small businesses. So if you have an idea and want to test it with a crowd, Booster can help you raise funds to grow and expand into the community. Whether you're a cafe in need of a new espresso machine or a boutique wanting to open a new location, check out atbbooster.ca to find out more. That's atbbooster.ca. The Dave Berta Podcast is also brought to you by the Well Endowed Podcast from the Edmonton Community Foundation. 
It's a podcast hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink and produced by Lisa Pruden. And the show explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds, and the podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. Subscribe at the wellendowedpodcast.com. So, so now we get, let's talk about what we don't know. Uh, we don't, as Dave, Dave's already touched on this, we don't know the number of employees, their, their pay, their terms of employment, uh, how long they're going to be employed. Uh, we don't know who will really run it. Uh, we don't know what their reporting structure is or to whom, because it's a private corporation. I mean, I, I guess it's a completely private corporation, so they won't have to publish a shareholder report. Uh, we don't know what will be done in-house or subcontracted. Obviously, as Dave knows, PostMedia hopes some of it will be subcontracted to them, or what will really what the work will actually be. Uh, and on, these are interesting questions that <coughs> will continue to exist as a corporate entity. Uh, imagine that the UCP falls in four years or three and a half years. Uh, well, we can um, board members, corporate officers, be sued for defamation or harassment. Uh, and I think this is a I think this is something that they didn't think about when they created this entity. They thought, hey, this is a great way we can escape FOIA. It doesn't necessarily mean that uh, they can escape court action by people. So if you're defamed, if anyone in this room is defamed by them, you should think about these options. Uh, and then that leads to the next question: uh, Must taxpayers pay the uh, corporate officers' uh, def defense bills in the event there's some kind of legal action? Why is it so important for them to avoid FOIA? Well, like I say, their excuse is that they don't want this sinister conspiracy that they claim exists to know what their plans are. But I suspect, really, a lot of stuff this government's doing, and we've seen a lot of this just in the last few days, uh, falls into what I would call the general definition of a boondoggle. Uh, and they may not want people to know just how much of a boondoggle this is, or in whose pockets this money is ending up. That's a very unkind characterization, but that's my view. Yeah, in terms of... of one, one of these points, what the work will actually be, uh, I mean, will it be done in-house or subcontract, but what, what, it, what will it actually be? Will this be uh, a body that is in charge of pro-Alberta advertising campaigns? Will this be, like, will it be a body that is in charge of, um, I don't know, hanging out on Twitter and correcting, uh, correcting opponents of pipelines and correcting opponents or arguing with opponents of pipelines and arguing with opponents of, of the oil sands? Um, we don't, we don't, as I said before, we don't really know. One of the interesting things, I think, when you look back at Tom Olson's history, um, some of the initiatives he's been involved in in government when he was involved with the, when he was working for the Stelmach government in the late 2000s, I don't know if you guys remember, if you're on Twitter now, you'll, you'll see the at your Alberta Twitter account. It's like the official government of Alberta Twitter account. Well, back when your Alberta was initially set up, it was this whole kind of campaign to, uh, in a very similar way, kind of shift the message around uh, around the uh, the energy industry and around the oil and gas sector in Alberta. It was very much seen very much seen as a bit of a propaganda tool. But they were producing kind of I guess what would be what would be described as fake news. If anybody's familiar with what Doug Ford's government is doing, I think it's Ontario News Now, it's a kind of kind of news station, online news station that, that operates out of the premier's office. Um, it was very much trying to do something like that. It was the official government line, the package and produced on YouTube and on social media in a format that kind of looked like uh, looked like 
a news report, looked like news coverage. You had, you had someone going around doing interviews with the mic. So the, there is a question of will, that kind of, will, will they take that kind, of, that kind of an angle? I mean, it may just be uh, a body that launches big advertising campaigns and, and tries to get uh, meetings with New York Times columnists or Washington Post columnists and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, but it may be, may be something else. Maybe may they may be trying to, to actually make it an, an actual kind of news information center for the government to push its message. Yeah, Tom was also involved in advertising, not necessarily with the same, uh, not necessarily with the same branding. But I uh, think you guys will remember the case of the uh, of the Northumbria Beach or whatever it was. I might have the England where they they had. A, uh, an advertising campaign about how great life was in Alberta that showed a picture of a British beach. Oh, and yeah. on the east coast of England. And that would be, you know, much hilarity and resulted. Yeah, and Tom, this was one of the fumbles I spoke of, was rather than saying what, what took perfectly reasonable response to having done that was, was, well, it was a mistake, it was a mock-up ad, and we let it slip into print, we're sorry, we're fixing it immediately. Everybody in this room would have understood and been sympathetic to that because we've all done things like that. Uh, but instead, he said, "No, no, that was part of the plan. Uh, we chose that because we wanted to show that Alberta had worldwide appeal, which to me is you know, a real, a real dumb response. Quite, quite, quite a spin there. You really yeah. Spin. yeah, this is not successful spin. <laughs> so, what, one of the other things that I think is important for talking, talking about the war room is uh, Premier Kenny mentioned in one of his speeches. I think it might have actually been to the Calgary Chamber of Commerce again, or maybe it was the Chamber, Chamber of Commerce. It was one of those, one of the business groups. Um, but he mentioned that." there was a potential for opening overseas offices where the energy war room would, or the, yeah, the energy war room would operate out of. Now, I don't know what exactly that looks like, whether and he talked about opening offices in key media markets. Um, we know Alberta has uh, international trade offices already around the globe, mostly in, mostly in Asia, um, but also in London, Mexico, Washington, D.C. Um, Premier Kenny just announced last week that Alberta was going to open offices now in Vancouver, Quebec City, and Ottawa. Well, Ottawa, British Columbia, yeah. Quebec is the way Yeah, it. so, so I mean, perhaps the war room has something to do with that. And, but it's, it, there, there really is just a lot of speculation at this point because they've announced this big thing, they've appointed someone in charge of it, but we haven't really seen what exactly, uh, what exactly the war room is actually supposed to be doing. Yeah, when I mentioned Boondoggles earlier, at one point in my career I was hired by the Calgary Herald to cover agriculture as a business reporter. And I, and I am a believer in going out and talking to people who, do, who do, do the jobs I'm writing about. So I spend a lot of time on farms. And I got to know the smell of that stuff that pulls me. And there's a whiff of boondoggle about this. It's, it's the same kind of smell. Yeah. I, I, think, I think David's right in terms of what he said earlier, in terms of this is something that, that sounds really good on the campaign trail. It's a great talking point. They're going to have a fight back strategy. They're going to build this war room, they're going to have this inquiry, they're going to do all this stuff, but when it actually comes to, when you actually form government and it actually comes to actually putting this in motion, it's not, probably not as easy as, as, uh, as they thought it would be. We should remember when we're opponents of political parties that have done very well in an election, that uh, they're not all powerful just because they've had a success. There, there are always combinations of circumstances that lead to particular electoral results. Uh, we, it may, it's not a sure thing that the UCP can be defeated, but they can be defeated. So these kind of things start, as a, to use Dave's phrase, uh, they start to establish the narrative that the, the way this is going off the rails now, it establishes a narrative about the kind of government they are that will be useful to opposition parties in the future. 
so now let's go to the inquiry. The, 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 so what's the, the so-called public inquiry into anti-Alberta energy campaigns, uh, which is a highly tendentious way of putting it, if you ask me. It, it has only a $2.5 million budget, but they're going to need, enough, by the way, by the sound of recent news reports in the last week, they're going to need an infusion of additional cash because Mr. L, the commissioner, has already spent so much of that, some of it on his son's locker. Um, uh, the, the, it's been launched under the Public Inquiries Act, which is interesting too. Uh, the, Mr. Allen is a, a Calgary forensic accountant and a marketer, and I think really, I mean, he has he is a qualified accountant who with a, with a, a specialty in forensic accounting, so he's he's obviously not a dummy. But uh, the, really, his most recent job has been marketing. Uh, Calgary has trying to attract business to Calgary from other places for a long time. So uh, maybe he got a little too much into the marketing way of looking at things. The, the structure will be he'll conduct a paper review with an interim report by January 31, 2020. So that's pretty soon. So he's been off galvanizing around the world doing something. We're not privy to the details. You're not privy to the details. The government doesn't want us to be privy to the details. Now, based on that review, uh, and I this, took this from the government's press release, the commissioner may hold a public hearing if necessary. Uh, the final report after the public hearing, which may or may not occur, uh, will be July 2, 2020. Now, uh, I think there's actually a fairly significant chance there won't be a public hearing because of the way things are, the wheels are starting to fall off the bus. Yeah, yeah I mean, just in terms of, of, of the timing of it, um, I mean, January 31st, 2020 is coming very quickly. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is this is Mr. Allen. I've subsequently found a better picture, but when I made this slideshow, I didn't have it. That was the one I used on my blog uh, yesterday morning of him in the, the him in cowboy hat with the, with the Calgary skyline Photoshop behind him, out of date Calgary skyline. So is it an inquiry or is it an inquisition? I think this is a fair question. What's the what's the objectives of this? Uh, the, the, the website famously included an email address for tipsters that was widely marked as the snitch line. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, now that, that issue, though, that's interesting. That was, the, that was the first strike back, the first thing that people reacted with. But, as, but that has proved not to really have legs. So that's kind of that issue of whether they're taking tips from the public has kind of fallen off the, out of the discourse. Um, as, I, as I said then, when the last slide was up, the terms of reference are 10 both tendentious and highly contentious, by which I mean uh, they, they try to get us on reading them to draw conclusions about what the conclusions of the commission will be. Mm -hmm. they're, they're telegraphing what, what they're going to report. So this is this kind of is like the McKinnon report. Uh, we were told that we were going to have this blue ribbon panel who was going to look at Alberta financing, although they weren't allowed to actually talk about uh, the, the revenue side of Alberta financing, which is not a very responsible way to look at that question. But, uh, it, but, it, but it was widely said based on what uh, Janice McKinnon had already written. These are the conclusions she'll, she'll reach. She'll look for about a 3% rollback for public employees. Uh, and sure enough, well, they, they, they've upped the figure a bit. They, they say on average 2%, but for a UNAD organization I work for, or who do we work for, uh, they, they are indeed asking for a 3% rollback. So this is all telegraphed in advance, we knew perfectly well. And, and But the same thing, the, public, the publicity about this and the things that we know suggest exactly the same thing, that, that, that this is, uh, an, this isn't a real inquiry. Uh, it, it's, a, it's an effort to bully and embarrass people that they disagree with. 
and uh, and it's already got predetermined conclusions. So I don't know. Well, I might be wrong with that, but that's certainly the impression that this kind of setup gives. It's based on a false premise. For over a decade, a well-funded foreign campaign has defamed Alberta's energy industry and sought to landlock our oil. There are certainly opponents of tar sands developments, for example, who, who that would be an apt description of. Uh, but in, in how well-funded this is, I think what uh, Ms. Garcino's work shows is that it wasn't very well-funded at all compared to other groups. Uh, and it's certainly not very well-funded compared to what the oil industry can pour into. It's propaganda. Uh, it comes from the Scousis theories, uh, and statements by Premier Jason Kenney suggest that the intention, of the, uh, the intention of the inquiry is not to find facts, but to name and punish opponents of oil sands development. And, and that really is a problem about the whole legality of this process. Or even, or even there's an argument been made um, that it's, uh, it's not even allowed, uh, it's not, it's, it doesn't even follow the uh, Public Inquiries Act. Which, which requires the interest to actually try to find out the true facts. So uh, there's, all, there's all kinds of potential for uh, uh, legal mischief and legal op opposition to the courts as well as op opposition to the court of public opinion. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, the, 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 the outcome is, I mean, it seems like it's very much prescribed. I'd be very surprised if, if, if the, uh, the final report of the same public inquiry basically doesn't confirm what what exactly it was set up to be in, in terms of, of what Mr. Kenny uh, the the orders that uh, the government orders that uh, that created the public inquiry um, and all the the political rhetoric that led up to it. Well, um, yeah, we'll know that uh, that they're they've delivered an honest report if they say well, actually we've discovered that there isn't a foreign funded conspiracy. Fantastic, that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean this is this is very much. I mean it, it does seem like it is very much. Uh, uh, I mean it. It's a, it is a political witch hunt. It's very much playing into that political narrative that Alberta's situation, current economic situation, is the fault of outsiders. So at, at one point, it's, it's, and what, in one hand, it's trying to, I mean, it's, it's vilifying outsiders as, as the source of all our problems, but like many other things Mr. Kenny does, it also creates a list of, I mean, it creates a list of enemies, but it creates a list of excuses as to why his own political program might not be working. I think he's isolating himself. He's insulating himself to criticism. Um, coming over, over the next few years, especially going into the next provincial election in 2023, uh, if the massive corporate tax cuts don't lead to the return of jobs, if the price of oil internationally stays stagnant and the Alberta economy doesn't recover. If, another, if, we don't, if we're not basically in another boom in four years, Mr. Kenny will have a long list of people, Sapporo Berman, Greenpeace, <laughs> David Suzuki, Justin Trudeau, Rachel Notley, public sector unions, um, I mean, Amnesty better, International. We better be high on that list. Yeah, David Cornley. Uh, those are the reasons why Alberta hasn't recovered. Well, why, 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 uh, why the price of oil isn't at two hundred dollars a barrel, and we're not, at, we're not all, all, uh, I don't know, eating, drinking out of chocolate coffee mugs and golden microscopes. Yeah, this is, as we all know, once we know from the discussion of the previous session that. Uh, uh, the, the, this is one of the characteristics of what we're coming to term populist government is the need to find enemies to identify as the cause of all the problems rather than the government itself uh, taking any credit for the problems it may have created. So uh, this is convenient, but I, like, I, like Dave said and like I've said, I think that this uh, narrative is going to become increasingly problematic for Mr. Kennedy because he seems not to be uh, 
He's, he's known as a, as a clever political strategist, but I also think, and I can engage in amateur psychologizing because I'm not a psychologist, so I have no ethical rules to make, but I need to worry about breaking. But I think he's an emotional and angry person. Uh, and I think that when they thought they were going to win the federal election, the conservatives, and when the conservatives didn't, uh, a lot of the plans he had went awry. Uh, perhaps including plant other ambitions, but uh, uh, came, they came off the rails too. And so uh, so he's kind of struck back and doubled down on a lot of this stuff. And I don't think that would play well for him. If, he, if his objective is to win another election in Alberta, that might well work, because we've seen uh, how well it worked last time. And there's a, so, there's a substantial number of people, like the 35% of people in the United States who support President Trump, who no matter what he does, are going to support him. But if he, if he thinks he's going to have a success outside Alberta, persuading people to build pipelines, or things that some things of which should have been quite doable in the context of Canadian politics, uh, I think he's going to uh, find that the, the approach he's taking now makes that more difficult, not less. That may suit him internally because it makes it easier to blame the other. But yeah, I mean, as a result of these types of initiatives, these the uh, the, the, the fight back strategy that he, that Mr. Kinney likes to talk about. I mean, I think that. One of the results of that, I mean, it's yet to be seen, but my prediction is, is and it, it's worrisome, that Alberta becomes more and more politically isolated, especially on the issue of climate change. Is we can see already, we can see the rest of the world, public attitudes are moving in, in a different direction. We have major international banks divesting, pulling their investments out of oil sands operations, out of fossil fuel operations around the world. Um, we have uh, federal government we have a, a, that, that is doesn't seem, I mean, they've just been, they want a minority, the Liberals want a minority, form a minority government, but they should have been moving forward on their climate change initiatives because they have the support of, of uh, other parties in, in the House of Commons. Um, so I mean, one of, the, one of the, the risks that Alberta takes is, I mean, it may be popular, it may be, in, in the short term, it may allow Mr. Kenny to, to win re-election next time and as many times as he wants after that, perhaps. But, Alberta risks being isolated within Canada and within the world on the issue of, of oil and gas, on the issue of climate change, and if we don't take the initiative ourselves, we may have solutions imposed upon us. And I think that's one of the risks and, and could lead to, I mean, could really define, uh, this kind of stuff could really lead to um, uh, future de basically definitions of, of Canadian politics and, and kind of constitutional wars in the future. Dave wrote a great piece that he published this morning uh, in which he said, which he said, it's not a foreign-funded conspiracy. Uh, the Alberta's problem is not caused by a foreign-funded conspiracy; it's caused by the market. And, uh, and so, what we're seeing, one of the things that's interesting about this is that the the environmental crisis, the global warming crisis, appears to be moving faster than a lot of experts predicted. That, predicted, uh, and at the same time. The market response to that appears to be moving faster than a lot of people in the oil industry and, the, and in the Alberta government had hoped. Uh, and if I may be so bold, I, I don't think the, our previous government was on this was that different, that different than the current one. So. Mm -hmm. Gentlemen, a comment here. Are you aware that CAF was a, has a massive a budget? We certainly are. The and that it hires Hill and Knowlton to manufacture the sense. <coughs> and this looks like peanuts compared to that. Well, I mean, these guys are all kind of tied in together, too. So then this, I think, that, but that goes back to one of our fundamental points, is we, we think this was, was set up and then fundamental, and then followed through, pardon me, 
uh, as an election campaign technique. But now it's, now it's grown legs and it's got a life of its own. Probably Hill and Nolten cooked it. Well, I don't know about that. But anyway, I just want to continue and deal with the slides as quick as we can. I just, again, getting back to my philosophy that you need to know what people look like. This, this, is, this is Vivian Krauss. This picture's a little dark, so it's not showing not very much. But, but she's, she must, I've not heard her speak, but she must be a good speaker because she seems to uh, uh, have a, be on a successful speaking tour. Uh, I want to talk about uh, legal questions that came up, and these have been raised by a number of different groups, but it, first of all, it has no jurisdiction outside of Alberta. Mm -hmm. And I was in Victoria, B.C. a few months ago, and I went to see uh, uh, the leader of the Green Party there, I'm having one of those seniors moments. Andrew Weaver. Andrew Weaver, right? And, uh, and uh, Mr. Weaver told me that, uh, his, I asked him, well, would you go, if you're called to testify, will you go uh, and talk to them? And he started by saying, Oh, sure, I will. I, lo I love judges' inquiries. And I, and I said, well, actually, it's not a judge that's running this one. It's a guy who's an advertising man and accountant. I said, what? <laughs> what? And he talked about the background of that for a minute. And he said, no way will I waste my time talking to that group. They got no jurisdiction to do some slam the door. So, so, that, so if, they, if, they, if they intend to uh, use this as an effort to bully or intimidate certain people, it's not going to be very effective because of the jurisdictional limitations. I believe the way the act is structured, uh, the, the, if, the, if the commissioner is not a judge, the commissioner has fewer powers than if he is a judge or she is a judge. Uh, and in this case, uh, I suspect, I can't prove this because again, none of this has been public, but I suspect they tried to get a judge to leave this, or, a, or even a retired judge, and they couldn't find one who could do it because of, the, because of the problems with the way the inquiry is structured. Um, it's likely to be challenged in court if witnesses cannot have legal counsel or cross-examine other witnesses. And this is one of the reasons that I suspect that Mr. Allen, in fact, will not hold a public inquiry. <clears throat> Public hearings. Public hearing, yeah. Uh, the terms of reference suggest it's a witch hunt, not an inquiry, and a legal challenge of that is probably inevitable. Uh, Equal Justice Canada Society has said, called it the kangaroo court and issued a public statement saying they will challenge it if the terms aren't changed. And Mr. Kenny got on the soapbox the next day and said the terms won't be changed, get lost. In fact, he probably privately put it more strongly than that. So, 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 so it will be challenged by Equal Justice. I think that's a given. Amnesty International Canada, as you know, attacked the, the inquiry. It was mainly a rhetorical exercise, but, uh, but it had some real impact in saying that it was, there are real human, fundamental human rights problems built into the way it's structured. Um, and that, now I'm trying to remember who wrote the legal opinion. Do you remember, Dave? The, that was, uh, oh, that, this is one of the, uh, the Alberta Law Block. Oh, uh, Mark, Martin, uh, I can't remember his last name, he's a uh, prof at the University of Calgary. At the University of Calgary, wrote a, was a law prof and wrote an opinion saying that the, the terms of reference suggest that the inquiry is not legal under the Public Inquiries Act of Alberta. So there's a fruitful ground for another, for, for another legal appeal. And what we don't know, reaction of potential witnesses in other jurisdictions, we just talked about that, uh, what challenges will come before the courts are when, uh, when equal justice will act, although I think it's all given now, given what they've said, that they will do so. Uh, whether Commissioner Allen will even hold an inquiry, we talked about that, uh, or what the Canada government strategy will be in the event that it turns into a gun show, also is shut down by the courts. Although we can speculate, if it's shut down by the courts, I think they'll do what populist governments always do, and they'll say, it's elite jurists who aren't in tune with the people. We heard this in the previous lecture, right? 
Uh, and if it, if it turns into a gong show, they'll double down. That would be my guess. Um, and if it falls apart, well, I don't know what happens if it really falls apart, but pretend it didn't. Yeah, I mean, it's also important to be reminded, and we mentioned this earlier, that the inquiry does not, does not fall under FOIA. So you cannot uh, launch a freedom, you cannot uh, file, uh, submit a freedom of information request for information about public inquiry. And we found out yesterday, um, after the NDP asked for uh, the ethics commissioner to investigate uh, the $905,000 consul source contract Denton's that the ethics commissioner also does not have jurisdiction over the public inquiry. So it's, it's very much by design removed from these kind of transparency. But the, uh, the courts still do. So if yes. somebody sues them for defamation or sues them for harassment, there's a possibility of cross-examination, right? Yeah. So I think that's the last of the slides. So. Where, where should we take it from here, Dave? Do you want to, do you want to entertain questions immediately? Or? Yeah, sure. That's just the tour de raison. And uh, so let, let us, uh, do, how do you want to do yeah. the questions? Do you want to um, choose this, the questioners? Today? So I guess we've got, uh, we've got a couple of, of mic runners and I'm seeing lots of hands up in the room already. I think uh, what I want to start with is uh, a question for you guys around um, is it really possible that they haven't planned ahead to the moment where this reveals nothing, where this doesn't reveal a conspiracy? Because right now, every speech that Kenny makes, every speech that the energy minister makes, every column from David Staples and, and Chris Barco and Rick Bell reasserts that we've been under attack by these foreign funded environmentalist radicals who are lying about our energy industry. When all of this collapses, they've got to have a plan for how they're going to reframe this. Like, are they really coming at this not knowing what's on the other end? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, again, they don't talk to me, so uh, I, I have a suspicion that a lot of them started out really believing this. Uh, and, they're, and they're starting to feel the ice going with those uncomfortable cracking sounds underneath them. But my guess is what they do, this would be my guess, I don't know if answer, but my guess would be what they would do is probably what I would do is try to bluff my way through it. They'll have a report that says something, they'll say, see, we've proved that there was a foreign-funded conspiracy. If you follow the, the doings of the Fraser Institute, I've, I've been yelled at by people on social media for saying this, but if you look at the data that the Fraser Institute uses in its reports, it is almost always accurate. So they take real facts from, from verifiable sources, and they construct arguments that aren't related to those facts. So the press release is what the media picks up and covers, and the press release reaches a conclusion that is unsupported by the facts that they've honestly reported. So I wouldn't be surprised that the same strategy will be, will be seen here, that they'll say that, in fact, when you look at what the report has based its conclusions on, that you can't reach those conclusions from those facts. But you know, they will anyway, and that will be what the media covers. Because really, and I've got to put a pitch in on this, is we have very weak poor quality media now in Alberta and in Canada. Uh, and the problem is not the reporters, but the problem is the, st is the structure of the industry, the challenges it faces, and the, the unwillingness of editors on major mainstream media to spend a lot of time in most places on, on investigative reporting or, or well-researched reporting. Uh, and so what media tends to do is it gets the press release and there's one or two days of activity, those, those ideas expressed in the press release are imprinted in the public's mind and then the entire issue goes away. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see that would be their media strategy for dealing with this. That's it for this episode of the Dave Berta Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
We're always taking listener questions. So if you have some, you can message us on Twitter at Dave Berta, on Instagram at Dave Berta, on the Dave Berta Facebook page, or by emailing podcast at daveberta.ca. We'll try and answer your question in a subsequent show. If you haven't already, please make sure you're subscribed to the Dave Berta podcast and any podcatcher of your choice. And also, if you wouldn't mind throwing us a rating and a review on the podcatcher of your choice, that would help us out a lot. We'll catch you again in a few weeks. Thanks for listening. Music.